Welcome to Victory with Paul Doherty, pastor of Victory in Tulsa, Oklahoma. If you're in the area, we'd love to meet you at any of our services. Saturday night at 5 p.m. and Sundays at 8.30, 9, and 11 a.m. If you can't visit us, you can watch live on the Victory app, downloadable on the App Store and Google Play. Pastor Paul has a great message for you today, and I believe this message is going to make an impact in your life. Amen. Everybody say, not like the movies. Well, if you have a Bible, turn to 1 Corinthians 13. We get loud about the word, 1 Corinthians 13. And we welcome all those watching online, watching on TV. Let's give a warm welcome to all of our online TV guests. Thousands of people tune in to watch us. 1 Corinthians 13, Paul wrote a chapter all about love. And during this time, this church, Corinth, was struggling with the idea of love. They were surrounded by a society that was trying to give them imitations of what love could look like how to treat men, how to treat women, what marriage should look like. And the world's imitation of what love looks like can't even compare to God's pure love for us. So Paul said, let me just settle what love looks like because it's not what you see in the theater. It's not what you see coming from Caesar Augustus. It's not what you see coming from society. There is a love that's deeper than anything that we see today. It started in the garden. There is a love and his name is God. God is love, and let me show you what this love looks like. So Paul starts off 1 Corinthians 13, because this church was really strong understanding the gifts of the Holy Spirit. They were starting to get the whole idea of, you know, speaking in tongues and prophecy and and all these gifts of the Spirit that people in the world were leaning in, looking at them. But Paul said, let me tell you what the greatest gift is. If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. So Paul's saying, speaking in tongues, that's not the greatest gift. Because if you can speak in tongues, but you can't love your family, you're just a loud drum set that doesn't have any rhythm, it doesn't have any tempo, there's no sense to what you're doing. Then he says, if I could If I could prophesy, if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move the mountains, but didn't love others, I would be nothing. He said, if I gave all that I had to the poor. So now he's talking about charity work. Paul actually separates charity work from real love. Because it's easy to give a homeless person some money to buy a sandwich. It's hard to love your family members when they're getting on your nerves. Paul's saying, don't just do charity work. Let's talk about real love. If I gave everything I have to the poor, even sacrificed my body for them, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love people, really love them, I would have gained nothing. What is love? Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not jealous. Love is not boastful or proud. Love is not rude. It does not get easily irritated. It doesn't demand its own way. It keeps no record of being wrong. Love does not rejoice with injustice, but rejoices when the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, endures through all circumstances. Love never fails. The word of God today is love never fails. Everybody say that with me. Love never fails. He says, prophecies will cease. Speaking in tongues, it's gonna stop one day. Knowledge, it's all gonna pass away. Now these three things remain, verse 13, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Lord, I pray that we would learn more about your love today and not just learn about it, but receive it in our hearts. 
I pray that we would leave today, God, encouraged, inspired, challenged to receive your love and walk it out. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Everybody said? Amen. Well, in case you didn't know, I used to have a band when I was in high school. Our band was called Envoy. How many guys remember Envoy? A few fans, okay. We got some loyal fans down here, Tom and Susan Newman. They bought one of our CDs. We still have a few CDs left in the bookstore. In fact, I actually have 500 CDs left at my house, in my closet. We didn't sell out. So I'm gonna play you a song, hopefully to sell a few of those CDs. <laughs> I'm just kidding, but for real. My wife was like, we need to get rid of some of these CDs. Um, I wrote a song about love. How many of y'all wanna hear a love song this morning? All right? So I wrote this song about love, and I used to write songs based on experiences that I had. So if I you know, went on a mission trip and something great happened, I'd get inspired and I'd write a song. If I uh, had a great date night with Ashley, I'd write a song about it. Uh, I would write songs about any type of experience I had, but this one time, this person that I was reaching out to, a guy who had moved here from the East Coast to come to ORU, Oral Roberts University. Any ORU students in the house today? Yeah! Well, he came here, and I remember uh, he moved into the same dorm that I was in, and, and I was trying to invite him on these, you know, get-togethers, hangouts with other guys. He didn't want to come. He said, the only reason I'm here is because my girlfriend moved here, and she came here to go to school here, so I'm here with her to make sure she doesn't hook up with another guy. And uh, that's the only reason I'm here. I don't want to get to know anybody else. And so he kind of drew a small circle. And my parents used to teach us when, when, when people draw a small circle and leave you out, you draw a bigger circle and bring them in. So I was trying to bring him into my circle. I was trying to invite him to you know, hang out with us, and, and he didn't want to do it. And finally, he started warming up, and, and he would kind of hang out certain days with us and became a friend of mine. This one day, I came to his room. And he was sitting in there, and I could tell he kind of looked down, discouraged. So I walk in the room without really asking if I could walk in. And I said, hey, bro, you want to go to Chick-fil-A? And uh, he just looked at me and just was like, no. And I was like, come on, man, let's go to Chick-fil-A. And he said, get out of my room. And I was like, okay, just want to get you some chicken nuggets. Like, <laughs> come on, man, let's go. And he was like, no. And he slammed the door in my face, and he cussed me out. And he said a lot of words I can't say in church. But I was like persistent. I was like the persistent widow. I stayed at the door. And I was just like knocking on the door. I was like, I'm not leaving. I'm, I'm still here. He's like, get away from me. He starts screaming and people could hear him down the hallway. And he said some pretty mean things to the point where I was hurt. Anybody ever been hurt by someone in your life before? A friend, family member, spouse? You're like, yeah, they're sitting next to me. Um, and all of us in our lifetime will get hurt, will get disappointed, offended. Offense is rampant in our culture today. We get offended at people we don't even know. We get offended at CNN and Fox News and the White House. And we get offended at people we've never met before. We get offended at our spouse and family members and kids and coworkers. But the, the reality is we have two options when we get hurt and offended. I could have cussed this guy out. I could have gotten angry and said, I'm never inviting you to Chick-fil-A again. But instead, I went and got my guitar, <laughs> and I went to the field behind the dorm, and I wrote a song about love. That's the other option you have. No, the option is to forgive. And so I wrote a song about really what this guy needs, what I need, what we all need, and what's gonna bring healing. So you guys ready to hear the song? All right, here we go. 
We got exit signs, unlocked up doors, and authors, books that we can't afford, and the world's so mad, it's so sad, and all they say is, that's too bad. To the emo kids, and the goths, and the geeks, the preps, and the jocks, and the freaks like me, yeah, we know those celebrities, the big rock stars, and the beauty queens, who say they got everything, but the real thing is, inside their heart, they're all still screaming. For that one missing part, yeah, we all need love. We all need love. We all need love. We all need love. To the PKs, MKs, everybody in case you ever been in my place where everyone expects you to be just like your pops. Someone you're not. Well, that's bull snot, cause I need what you need. The same thing we all need. Sing it out loud. We all need love. Come on, church. We Man, you guys sound good. We all need love. We all need what the world needs now is love, sweet love. That's the only thing that there's just too little of. What the world needs Not just for some, but for everyone. Well, they say seven hugs a day is the price that you pay to feel love and security. But I know that it's more than that. It's not just some maturity. It's taps and pats and words of affirmation to a generation that needs to know the true message of what love is. And then it may Jesus is love. Jesus is love. Jesus is love. Jesus is love. Give yourself a hand. Great job. I'm trying to pull together a reunion tour for us. No. <laughs> Psych. Hey, but everybody say, we all need love. The reality is, I don't care how old you are, how rich you are, how long you've been saved. We all need love. No matter what kind of family you grow up in, we all need love on a daily basis. And not just the worldly kind of love, we need God's love. In that moment, I had an opportunity to get mad at the guy who slammed the door in my face or to show him love. See, when the world sows hate, if the church will sow love, we can change the world. Martin Luther King Jr. said it like this, darkness cannot drive out darkness, only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. You know, the amazing thing is today, I am good friends with that guy because I refuse to let the bridge be burned by the way that he treated me. Instead of showing hate back to him, I showed love. And today, me and that guy are still friends because of that opportunity. I think the enemy wants to burn bridges in the church. I think the enemy wants to divide families, to get people so upset, so hurt, so offended, that instead of sowing love, we sow hate back. And there's a quote out there in the world that says, hurt people hurt people. 
But you know, you don't have to pass on the cycle of hurt any longer. You don't have to pass on the baton, the baton of hatred in your family. You can break the cycle today. You have the choice to show love. Ephesians chapter five shows us who to model, who to imitate, who is our uh, model for love. How are we supposed to treat people? And Paul could have said, you know, follow the movies, follow the reality TV shows. They really know what love looks like. They really know how to treat men, how to treat women. No, Paul said, let me tell you who to imitate. And I don't know about you, but when I watch a movie or when I watch a show, I start relating to the characters. And when I was younger, if it was the Mighty Ducks, man, I signed up for hockey. If it was the Little Giants, I signed up for football. If it was the Three Ninjas, I signed up for karate. I wanted to imitate the movies. But Paul says, let me show you who to imitate. Let me show you the life to live. Don't even imitate the leaders that are in your life. They're good people, but ultimately, you need an example who's perfect. You can pray for the president, pray for the government leaders, but when it comes time to imitate someone, let me show you who to imitate. Ephesians 5 verse 2, he says, live a life filled with love, following the example of who? Following the example of the movies? Following the example of CNN? Of the White House? Of Fox News? No, he says, follow the example of Jesus. Not what you see on TV or the movies, and there are some good movies out there, but let's be honest, 90% plus are not showing us the right example of how to treat people. Paul says, follow the example of Christ. Live a life filled with love. Take your cues from Jesus. And if there was one person who lived a life filled of love that, that turned the other cheek, that went the extra mile, that took time to love on people, it was Jesus. And I think there's five ways that we can live this love out. I wanna give it to you today, and the first one is words. Our words have the power to show the love of Jesus on a daily basis. Our words can bring healing, or our words can bring harm. Our words can lift people up, or our words can tear people down. Our words can start wars, and our words can stop wars. We have the power with our words. Proverbs 15 verse one says, a gentle answer deflects anger. So when strife is flying in your home or flying in a relationship with a coworker, with a boss, with your spouse, with your roommates, you can stop the strife with a gentle answer, a gentle tongue. You have the power of life and death in your tongue. He goes on to say, harsh words make tempers flare. Proverbs chapter 12 says, love covers a multitude of sins. You have the power in the midst of, of turmoil and strife and anger and offense. You can cover that sin with words of love. And I've got a balloon with me right here, and this is kind of us on a daily basis, right? This is our self-esteem, our confidence, our sense of, of, of feeling worthy, that when someone speaks words of life over us, it's like this. Air goes into our heart. Air goes into our self-esteem. We feel more confident. The more that someone says, you're a champion. Paul, you're doing a great job. Ashley, you're beautiful. You're an amazing mom. You're an amazing wife. And it takes time to build up that self-esteem. It takes time to build up someone's confidence. In fact, it takes so much longer to build this up than it does with one word to... Deflate it. One word. It can take a lifetime to build up a child's self-esteem and in one minute you can destroy it. We have power with our words to build each other up. Scientists and researchers of sociology have studied, they said, verbal abuse 
is so much more worse than physical abuse. Verbal abuse lasts longer in a kid's mind than physical abuse. It has much worse effects on their psychology, on who they are, on what they become. See, I could walk up to you and you could punch me because you're mad at me, and the next time I see you, I might keep my distance because you're the guy that punched me. But man, if you say something mean about my wife, about me, about my kids, about my mama, you started a war. <laughs> the world says, sticks and stones break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Lie. Words are so much more worse. You know, 30 years ago, scientists said this. They said, bullying today is so much more worse than it was 30 years ago. 30 years ago, a kid may get, you know, stuffed into a locker, might get his lunch pushed into his face, might get hit in the locker room, in the hallway. But they said today, because of social media, the effects of bullying are 10 times worse than it used to be. People going on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook, you're so ugly, you're so fat, you're such a loser. These words are, are creating suicidal thoughts in people's minds, and they're feeling unworthy. We have the power to change a generation. We have the power to breathe life and hope into each other, into our spouse, to speak words of life into each other. When I tell my wife, you are beautiful, even no matter what you look like, when you wake up, you are beautiful. Those words mean something. They, they impart love and value. I believe love is not love until it is spoken. Maybe you grew up in a house where you guys didn't talk out your love. You didn't say, I love you. Maybe you grew up with a silent dad or a silent mom or silent siblings and nobody expressed their love. You don't have to pass that baton on. You don't have to pass on that baton of silence. You can be the person that decides, you know what? I may not have grown up with a verbal affirming parent, a verbal affirming family, but I am going to impart that into my family. I am gonna text them, I'm gonna call them, I'm gonna speak love. This last week, I had a, a day that was pretty overwhelming, and I was, the reason why it was so overwhelming, I had a lot of meetings that were constructive criticism meetings, and those meetings aren't very fun. They're helpful, but they're not very fun, and, and I was thinking about all the areas that we need to grow in, all the areas that the ministry can keep getting better at, you know, the Dream Center, Camp Victory, the Bible College, Victory Christian School, the church, how I can get better as a leader, and, and I was kind of feeling just a little overwhelmed, a little discouraged, and someone sent me a text. I bet it took him one minute to send me this text. And he had no clue that I was having a rough day. It's not like he texts me all the time. But man, when he sent me this text, it changed my whole week. This happened in the middle of the week and all week long, I've been on a high because of this text. I've been so just excited and feeling confident because he spoke words of life to me. And it was Pastor Joel Osteen. He sent me this text this week. He said, Paul, I watched you speak from your conference a while back and you were fantastic. You're a natural, articulate, anointed, easy to listen to. You had great material, and you come off very sincere. A plus, you need to come teach me. Yeah, right, you need to come teach me. <laughs> Are you serious, Pastor Joel? Thank you! You know, I went nuts, man. I got so excited and emotional. <laughs> and it's not like my self-esteem is riding on someone's words, but all of us need encouragement. For us to pretend like we don't need words of encouragement, we are cutting off the life supply that God wants to bring into our hearts. And maybe you're here today and you say, well, I'm not gonna speak words of encouragement until someone speaks words of encouragement to me. But pride is like that. Pride waits. Selfishness is all about me. Who's gonna encourage me? Who's gonna blow my balloon up? Who's gonna blow my self-esteem up? But love initiates. Love initiates. Love says, I'm sorry. 
I forgive you. Love says, I believe in you. Love says, you are special to me. Love doesn't wait for someone else to speak words to them. Love initiates the words. Here's the second area, time. Time. There's people in your life that are begging for your time. They just want 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes. They just wanna know that you love them. You could buy them all the gifts in the world. You could give them $1,000 every week, but it wouldn't mean much to them if you didn't spend any time with them. I saw this movie about this guy who lived all of his life building a big empire, making lots of money, and, and man, he was putting all of his money you know, back into his house, his car. He was buying cars for his kids and buying all this fancy stuff, but he was never around his family, always at the work, always in the office, always doing stuff with other people. Always making time to golf with his buddies. Very rarely making time with his kids or his wife. And he got to the end of his life. He's laying in his hospital bed and he's crying. The nurse says, where's your family? I didn't spend any time with them. I gave them lots of money, but I spent very little time with them. And, and the kids start to come into the hospital room and they're crying. They say, dad, thanks for the gifts. Thanks for the car. Thanks for the money. But all we really wanted was just some time with you. We just wanted time. You know, just two weeks ago, my grandma came to me and she was in tears. She said, Paul, can I get some time with you? Not time to talk about work, but just time, one-on-one, -on -one, me and you. I said, sure, grand grand. She said, that's my love language. So we went out to eat. She said, I don't care where we eat. I don't care what we do. I just want time with you. And then this last week, my mom, me and my brother, took my mom and, and grand grand out for Valentine's. And same thing, I don't care what we eat. I don't care what it is. If I gotta pay for the food, it's all good. I just want time with you. I was like, all right, I'll let you pay for the meal. No, I paid for it. <laughs> but the bottom line is time spells love to so many people. And you know what? You know what hurts that time? When my grandma's talking to me, and immediately as she's in the middle of sharing her heart with me, I pick up my phone. No, sorry, Greg, Grant, hold on. Just gotta, talk, uh, gotta take care of some stuff. Gotta check my emails and, and then Twitter and, and then Instagram. What? How long do we have with some of the people that are still in our lives? Put the phone down. Turn the TV off. Be all there. Be present, man. Spend time. Here's the third area, attitude. Attitude, how can we show love? Through our attitude. Did you know 57% of communication is not coming from your mouth? Your mouth is, is not doing the majority of the communication in your relationships, it's your body language. 57% of communication in our relationships is not coming from what we say, it's coming from how we look and how we act. Our body language, when you roll your eyes, when you sigh, when you look at your watch, I tend to catch some of you guys that are doing this in church. Like, I wish I would catch the smilers in church, but I tend to catch the people like this. Like, I wish my eyes only went to the happy people, but for some reason I catch the others. I love all of you, it's all good, but just watch your body language. Watch your body language. You may not even realize you're doing it. Maybe your relaxed facial expression, but someone in your family feels like you don't really wanna be around them. Your attitude is coming out through your, your body language and it, and it comes across like you're not really happy to be there. Or maybe you don't really, it's one thing if I say, I love you, Ashley. <laughs> don't you get it? I love you, right? My attitude is canceling out my words. I love you. I love you. See, we can, 
we can allow God to heal our attitudes. You don't have to pass on an attitude of constantly being cynical, being just impatient with people. You can change that. You can change. I can change. We can all change. But the only way we're going to give love away is when we receive God's love for us, to believe God is patient with me. God's not rolling his eyes at me every time I mess up. God's not sighing every time I say something stupid. That God is a good dad in heaven that loves me even when I miss it. And I need to let that love get inside me to show to the people around me. Here's the fourth area, and that's acts of kindness. Acts of kindness. 1 John 3.18 says, let's not just love with our words. Let's love with action. Let's put some action behind what we say. Let's bring some acts of kindness. You know, a lot of these don't cost you any money. It doesn't cost you to spend time with people. It doesn't cost you to say nice words to people. It doesn't cost you to have a good attitude with people. You say, well, I don't have money to show love. You don't need money to show love. You could show love in so many other ways besides buying someone's meal. Acts of kindness. We had a girl come to Ashley and I just about a year and a half ago, and she said, do you have someone that... Uh, she said, do you guys have a regular date night every week? Do you have a, a, a night where you go out on a date? We said, that night basically is whenever we can find a babysitter. It's not every week. It's, it's you know, we try to have a date night, but it's, it's when we can find someone to babysit the kids. She said, let me take care of that. I'm gonna give you a free night of babysitting once a week so you can go out on a date. Man, we teared up every week. We just feel so blessed that someone would do that. Some of you young parents are like, I wish I had someone that would do that for me. <laughs> well, celebrate it. God will do it for you. Believe for it. But I believe there's some singles in the room, and you've got a lot of time on your hands. And you, you could offer this to someone in your life. you got a full-time job. you got one night a week, maybe, that you could go, you know what? Let me bless a couple in this church. Let me sow into a young married couple in this church. Let me help out a single-parent mom. Let me... And you know what? I'm gonna look for ways to serve people whenever I can. I'm gonna open the door for people. What if we all came to church not just to get, but to give? You say, well, Paul, I don't have any money to give and the tithes and offerings. It's okay. Just come and open the door for people, love on people, be a greeter, be a parking lot attendant. You say, well, I don't have time to do that. Just when you get here, show up with a mindset of generosity. Show up with who can I help? Who can I serve? How can I lead a, a, a family up to children's church? Who can I mentor? Who can I encourage today? That we would come because love is, is not like pride. Pride is all about me, but love is all about how can I help you? And when you help others, God takes care of the needs in your own heart. Here's the fifth area right here, touch. Touch. Maybe you grew up in a family that never touched each other. Or maybe the touch that happened in your family was harmful, maybe it was abusive. Maybe you grew up and the only time your dad touched you, man, he left bruises on you. Maybe the only time your mom touched you, she left bruises on you. Maybe you need to stop that cycle. Darkness cannot drive out darkness, only light can do that. You can break the cycle of hurt. You can use your hands to bring healing. My parents, they used to pull us together and oftentimes I was fortunate to grow up in a, in a in a pretty healthy family. And I could be selfish and celebrate that for me or I could pass that on to others. I want to. I wanna be the kind of church that we use our hands to bring healing. My dad used to pull us together and we would just hold hands and pray together and then we'd squeeze each other and hug each other. My mom would kiss us on the cheek and sometimes she would kiss our ears and bite our ears. It was weird, man. <laughs> not like hard bite, like it was when we were really little, not when we were like 18 years old. 
The bottom line is this. There was love in our house. Not a weird kind of love, but just a, a genuine kind of love. Jesus modeled this for us. In Matthew chapter eight, a leper was coming towards him. Nobody touched lepers. If you touched a leper, you became unclean. The leper comes to Jesus in verse two. If you can heal me, I know you can heal me, but if you want to, just say it. He's keeping his distance. Verse three, Jesus walks over, and before he says be healed, he touches the untouchable. And he models for us the same kind of love to touch with hands of love. There's a story in the 90s, true story, in Worcester, Massachusetts, 1995. These two girls, baby girls, were born, twins, Brielle and Kyrie. But they were born two pounds each. So there was lots of complications the night they were born. They were placed in the NICU and nurses and doctors just trying to keep them alive. The parents were frantic, crying, are we gonna lose our baby girls? One night, Brielle got really sick to the point where she turned blue. They tried everything to try and get Brielle to come back to life, to, to make the blueness go away, but it was getting worse and worse. They thought for sure they were gonna lose her that night. The nurse tried a, a final attempt. After they had tried to drain her, her throat of any mucus or her nose, they were trying to coddle her, do everything, nothing was working. The nurse said, I got an idea. Let's put her sister, Kyrie, in the same crib with Brielle. Let's just put her in the same crib. Let's let the sisters be together. And when they placed Kyrie in the crib with Brielle, this picture went around the world as the rescuing hug. Kyrie naturally put her arm over her sister. They didn't even have to do it for her. When Kyrie was placed in the crib, she just put her arm over her and went across the news as the rescuing hug. Because that night, Brielle got better. The blueness went away. She began to get healed and healthy. They kept Kyrie in the crib with them for, for days, just left them together, these sisters, the sibling love. And today, both these girls are healthy and whole. They're in their 20s. They're living a great life. Praise God. I can't help but get emotional thinking about it. I remember multiple times, man, when I was just having a bad day. My dad didn't need to preach a sermon to me because a sermon wasn't gonna work. All he needed to do was just give me a hug. Same thing, there's people in your life. I remember a young guy moving here from South Korea when I was a junior in high school and didn't have any friends here. He was all alone. His family sent him here as a transfer international student to Victor Christian School. And all year long, he had gone without having anyone hug him, anyone do anything that would show love to him. It wasn't that people didn't, People weren't mean to him, but no one was intentionally on the offensive trying to show love to him. And I heard God say, go and hug Wuwan. And man, when I did, he just started bawling, started crying, and he just bear hugged me back. He said, you're the first person to hug me since I've been here. Church, I wanna be known as the most loving church for all people from every nation that comes here. For all people, rich and poor, young and old, I wanna be known for our love. Jesus said, they will know that you are my disciples by the way you love one another. It's not about how much we know. It's not about how great you can speak in tongues or how great you can prophesy or how big your faith is. Man, it's do you have compassion for the people around you? Mother Teresa was asked the question by the United Nations, what do we do to bring world peace? What's it gonna take? She had won the Nobel Peace Prize. What's it gonna take for us to bring world peace? She said, go home and love your family. But what about the lepers in Calcutta? What about the people in third world nations? She said, it starts at home. Go home and love your family. 
Go home and love the people that are hardest to love. The people that annoy you the most need the love of God the most in your life. So that's my challenge for us. Who do we love? Mark chapter 12, Jesus spells it out. He says, love God, love people. Love God with all your heart. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. And a lot of people miss that one little line right there, as you love yourself. Before you can love people, you've gotta receive God's love for you. Some of us in this room, we're carrying self-hatred. No wonder we have a hard time loving our neighbor, loving our spouse, loving our friends and roommates. It's because we've got this internal shame and hatred and disgust with ourselves. We wish we were somebody else. We wish we had somebody else's talents. Man, I struggled with this for a long time, even up until like about a year and a half ago. For the longest time, I, I felt like I wasn't worthy unless I could wear my dad's shoes. I just, I just don't measure up. I'm not like Billy Joe. If I was more like my mom, because people love my mom. Man, everybody loves Pastor Sharon. And then I thought, well, maybe if I was like my brother John, he's funny, he's lovable, everybody loves him. Or Sarah, or my sister Ruthie. And I just struggled with self-condemning thoughts, insecurity, until the point where I just go, wait a minute, God loves me just as much as he loved Billy Joe. God loves me just as much as he loves Sharon. God loves me, so I need to receive that love so I can give it to my kids, my wife, our church. And I wanna challenge you today to receive God's love for you. He loves you so much. He's shouting it from the rooftops. It's better than any movie scene that you've seen. Better than any romantic comedy where you saw the guy just goo goo gaga for the girl. God is head over heels for you, man. He loves you so much. He's shouting it from the rooftops, unashamed. That's my boy, that's my girl, I love you. Even the parts of you that you don't even like, God loves you. And if you're gonna walk in that 1 Corinthians 13, you gotta receive it. I wanna invite my friend Coach Jarvis up here because he has walked this out and God has done a great work in his life. He's our baseball, varsity baseball coach at Victory, has turned our team into a winning team, not just out on the field, but even off the field. And Coach Jarvis, I heard a story that I, I was talking to you about yesterday about how you were walking out, just this message of love, teaching your baseball players to speak scriptures to other teams. Tell them what happened and, and kind of the story that followed from that. Okay, um, about a year ago as a team, we realized that we were doing a lot to build ourselves spiritually inside our locker room, but we really weren't doing as much as we wanted to to reach others. So I challenged the team to come up with some ideas of how we can reach others on our everyday life. We, we recognize that throughout the course of the season, we're gonna, we're gonna be in contact with hundreds of other athletes and high school coaches across the state. And what a great opportunity to be able to share and let God work through us in those opportunities in those times. So what we came up with um, as a team, and this was a joint effort, a lot of the, our players need credit for this. Um, they decided that they were going to have a God-inspired verse. So they would pray for the, each team individually, and we'd have a unique verse to share with each team. So as we go through after, the, after each game, um, in the handshake line, where normally you would say, hey, good job, good game, so on and so forth. We decided we were gonna share a scripture, a verse. So after every game, all 30 of our guys are gonna repeat the same Bible verse to that team. And the result of that, what happened was there was a lot of curiosity. A lot of times the other team, several players would come up to our guys and say, hey, what does that mean? And that, that opened the door up for our guys to be able to talk to them, to pray with them, to share that verse. We, um, and, and further with that, 
build, build relationships that have lasted even till now. We have guys in communication with, with other players from other schools, and we've seen salvations. We have uh, just a few weeks ago, a, a kid called our, our catcher, Austin Butler, and said, hey, I just gave my life to the Lord. It was wow. because, of, because awesome. of what you guys did. So um, another player, Ben Settles, he's, he may be here. He, uh, he came up to me after that and said, Coach, I think we need to take it farther. He said, I think there's more we can do. He had an idea to after each game to go ask the other team, win or lose. And what a humbling experience for our guys after we just get beat. Um, we're very competitive um, to go and ask that team, hey, we would like to pray with you guys. So we'll pray with them and, and ask God to bless them even after they just beat us. So we would circle around home plate, both teams, and, and our guys are very intentional about wow. we don't separate. We, we intermingle. We join hands with them and uh, have, have alternating our guys and their guys. We join hands and we pray. Um, and we've seen some tremendous results. In one story, uh, about three weeks after a game last year, and we were fortunate enough that day to win. Um, and this coach could have been very bitter because we did win and win, we won somewhat handily. And... Um, about three weeks after that, I get a text message from this coach who I had never met before that game. And the text message said, hey, Coach Jarvis, um, I need help. So you guys were praying for us when we didn't, we didn't ask for prayer. I know you'll have my back when I do. My son has just been diagnosed with lymphoma. Um, he was playing against us three weeks before on that field. And um, so he, he texts us and, and said, I know you guys are real. What you guys showed and demonstrated on the field, I know I can count on you guys to have my back. So he asked us, we've been praying for, for Nathan ever since. We visited him in the hospital. We were able to pr uh, pray with his mom and dad and sister. Um, we're continuing to pray. But that would have never happened if we wasn't intentional about Powerful. Um, letting God work through us every day. In, a, in yeah. everyday life and on a baseball field. We could have just played, but we were intentional about letting God use us. Come on. What a powerful testimony. Thank you, Coach. Everybody say, walk it out. Every day you can walk out the love of Jesus and it starts in your own home, starts at your company, in your job, in your business. It starts in this church that we come with an, a, a mindset, a heart to say, who can I show the love of Jesus to? With my words, with my time, with my attitude, with acts of kindness, with touch. I'll never forget in high school, I was having a tough time this one day and I went upstairs to my dad's office. His office is on the third floor of our school. And I walk in into the office area. There's Miss Florence Wells' desk. There's my grandma's desk. I said, can I go see if my dad's in his office? They said, you can try, but he's in a meeting. So I knocked on the door and a businessman opened the door. He's wearing a suit and tie. And he said, we're in a meeting right now. You'll have to come back later. I said, okay. I wasn't offended. I understood my dad had to take care of business. So I started walking down the hallway and I heard the door open behind me and then close. And then I felt this touch on my shoulder. It was my dad. He said, hey, Polly, what can I do for you? I said, nothing, dad. You're in a meeting. You're busy. No worries. It's all good. I can talk to you later. And he said, I'm not too busy for you. And I said, dad, it's, it's okay. It's, it's all good. I, I honestly don't have anything to really talk about. I'm just having a tough day. He said, you don't need anything to talk about. He just hugged me. And man, all I needed was a hug. I didn't need a sermon. I didn't need him to listen to me talk for 30 minutes. I just needed a hug. I didn't even know I needed a hug until he hugged me. And can I tell you today that your dad's office is open? Your heavenly dad's office is open and he's waiting for you. 
He's saying, come, I'm not too busy for you, girl. I'm not too busy for you, son. I got time for you, but God, you got so many people to take care of. I mean, there's so many nations that need your help. And God says, you don't understand. I'm everywhere with everyone all the time. I'm an ever-present help in time of need. I'm omnipotent. I'm omnipresent. I'm here for you. I'm a father that cares for the details of your life. And if you need a refill, quit acting like you got it all together. Come and get a refill. See, I'm my dad's son. And I can pretend like I got it all together all my life. But even father's kids oftentimes need to go back to their dad's office. Even Christians oftentimes need to go back to that altar call and say, I need a refill. It's been a tough week. Had a guy last night talking to me and he's been saved for 30 years. Solid man in our church. But he said, this has been one of the roughest weeks of my life. I got an incredible job. I'm taken care of financially. But my health has really not been good in the last week. And I just, I just need prayer. I just need someone to care for me. I just need to know that God's still with me. I'm thankful. I, I, not that I want a church where we're always, you know, feeling like we're, we're needy, but that we're humble enough to receive help, that we can bring our needs to God, that it, it's not like we need to be afraid of being needy in God's eyes. God wants us to need his help. He wants us to come and receive his love on a weekly basis, to not be too grown up to show up to his office, to not be too grown up to say, I need a hug. God wants to give it to you right now. So across this room with heads bowed, eyes closed, if you're here and you say, man, I just need God's love flowing in me and through me this week. I need a refill of his love. Just raise your hand all over this room. Yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, ma'am, yes, yes. Hands going up from the front to the back. I don't need to know what it is, just you and God. You just say, I need God's love this week. I need God's grace this week. I'm walking through something. I just need God's peace. I need God to help me to walk in love with some people that are really hurting my feelings. I need God's help this week. If you raised your hand, or you should have raised your hand, I want you to come boldly to this altar call and say, Lord, fill up my cup to overflow. Just leave your seat. Come down to this altar. God wants to shower you with his love. He wants to wrap you in his arms as a daddy and say, I'm with you. I'm for you. I'm going to help you. I'm going to lead you. You are not alone. You are not dying. I am breathing life into you. Yeah, come on. Let's cheer on every person that's coming right now. Maybe you want to come with your family. Maybe you want to come by yourself. Maybe you want to come with your spouse. Or maybe you're here with your boyfriend, your girlfriend, but you say, I need to get things right with God. I need God's love. I need his mercy. I need his grace. Secondly, if you're here today and you say, Paul, to be honest, things aren't right between me and God. I need to surrender. If I'm really honest, he's not truly Lord of my life. I'm living my own way. I want to invite you to leave your seat right now and join this amazing group of people right here at this altar. Just leave your seat. If that's you, you say, I need to surrender to Jesus. I want God to be Lord of my life. I want his love flowing in me and through me all over this room. If that's you, just leave your seat. Come down to this altar. If you're watching online and that's you, we're inviting you right now to make that decision in your heart across that computer screen and say, yeah, I'm ready to surrender to Jesus Christ. You can do it right there. Man, God's love is so powerful. I had this vision this last week when I was praying over this message. I had this vision of God climbing on top of a rooftop, a rooftop of a house. And I don't know what God looks like, but I know what God is like from the word of God. 
And I had this vision of God almost climbing up this ladder, getting on top of a rooftop because he wanted to shout it from the rooftop, unashamed, unembarrassed. I love my son. I love my daughter. I love you. I love you. I love you. And people were like, shh, be quiet. That's embarrassing. But God was saying, I'm not ashamed to shout my love for my children. I'm not ashamed. I'm not embarrassed to shout my love. See, Jesus was unashamed to go to the cross and die for you. He was unashamed to reach his arms out and take the nails through his hands and the nails through his feet to say, I love you. As far as the east is from the west, I'm removing your sins. I'm forgiving you. Even in your darkest time, I love you. I love the parts of you that you don't even like. And I want to change you. I want to make you more in the image of God. I want to remove the shame and the fear and the doubt and the failure all over this room. Why don't we just close our eyes, even if you're not at this altar, just just receive God's love for you. Maybe you just want to lift your hands out almost like a cup, cupping them as if heaven was going to pour love out on you. He loves you. He's filling up that cup, overflowing with his love. This week, you're going to notice it. You're going to see it in your relationships. You're going to pick up on those moments, on words and time and acts of kindness and touch and attitude. You're going to be able to show that love Jesus wants you to show. As a closing prayer over us, I want to read this to you. Ephesians 3, verse 14. Just receive this today all over this room and watching online. Paul says, when I think of all of this, I fall to my knees and I pray to the Father. Paul wasn't afraid to call him daddy. I pray to my Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to God in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Lord, we receive that love and we want to walk in that love. Let's pray this together. Say, Jesus, thank you for loving me so much. You gave your life for me. You loved me even when I was a sinner. You love me today. You'll love me tomorrow for the rest of my life. Your love never gives up, never fails. I receive it, Jesus. I want to walk in it. I want your love to flow through me into all my relationships. I'm all yours, God. I believe you died on the cross 
for my sins. So I repent and I receive your forgiveness. You rose from the dead to give me eternal life. I believe my name is written in the book of life. Heaven is my destiny. I'm all yours, Jesus. Use me for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Give God praise this morning. Thank you for listening to Victory with Paul Doherty. If you're in the area, we'd love to meet you at any of our services. Saturday night at 5 p.m. and Sundays at 8.30, 9, and 11 a.m. If you can't visit us, you can watch live on the Victory app, downloadable on the App Store and Google Play. Remember, your best days are right in front of you.